Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. The continuation of the Cinco de Mayo non-celebration of the Truth Hurts Program for May 5th, 2022 continues. Let's take a look at the headlines. I'm Steve Z. Biden, according to Bloomberg, pledges to try and enshrine Roe, meaning Roe versus Wade, into law if the court strikes down the law protecting baby murder. President Gropey Joe Biden urged the election of more lawmakers who support abortion rights, meaning the right to murder an unborn child. He said he would seek to enshrine the protections of Roe v. Wade into U.S. law following the report that the Supreme Court is likely poised to overturn the landmark ruling. Gropey Joe Biden said in a statement at the federal level, we need more pro-choice senators and pro-choice majority in the House to adopt legislation that codifies Roe, which I will work to pass and sign into law. Biden said this in a statement as the angels of heaven and God himself started swooping down and taking even more of his cognitive ability away from him. How this man can claim to be a Roman Catholic, a Christian, and not just condone the murder of innocent unborn human children, but actually to state, make the statement that he is going to work diligently to make damn sure people in this country can commit murder is beyond me. A House-passed bill to codify Roe was blocked in February on a 46 to 48 vote in the Senate. Joe Manchin, a Democrat who obstructed much of Biden's agenda, voted with Republicans to filibuster the measure. Additionally, some key supporters of abortion rights, the rights to murder a child, include Democrat Kirsten Sinema of Arizona and Republican Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, who have long opposed changing the filibuster rules. Chuckles the Clown Schumer said on Tuesday in remarks from the Senate floor that he would soon force another vote on legislation to codify Roe and legalize abortion under U.S. law. I honestly didn't think the man had enough testicles to do so. I guess I was wrong. There's a Senate campaign ad using a clip of gropey Joe Biden laughing at his own inflation, laughing at an inflation joke. Guess what, gropey Joe? It's not funny. A new campaign ad supporting Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, is taking aim at President Gropey Joe Biden's appearance at the White House Correspondents' Dinner last week, during which he laughed at a joke about rising gas prices and skyrocketing inflation in the U.S. Biden, the leader of the Biden crime syndicate, doesn't care that you and I might be struggling to buy fuel or food or furniture or a car. He's got all the millions he needs from his ill-gotten gains. Although he says ill-begotten gains, another slip of his feeble tongue. He's been criticized for his response to a joke from Trevor Noah, the foreign national who came to this country, and I guess some people think he's funny. I just think he's a piece of human filth. But that's my opinion. Trevor Noah was hosting the White House Correspondents' Dinner and made a joke about inflation plaguing the nation. Noah said, ever since you came to office, things are really looking up. Gas is up, rent is up, food is up. And Biden was seen laughing in response to that joke. Mr. Biden, it's not funny. 
Biden's low approval ratings and, of course, the Let's Go Brandon slogan that targets him were the subject of Biden's commentary at the first White House Correspondents' Dinner since 2019. A six-figure ad titled Not Funny is running statewide on cable television beginning on Tuesday throughout the state of Wisconsin. It contrasts Johnson's work to get inflation under control with Biden's lighthearted laughing response to a serious issue. The ad's narrator says, The same liberal Democrats and media elite who falsely attack Senator Johnson for exposing the truth are laughing it up in Washington, while America is dangerously off track. Record high gas prices, the worst inflation in 40 years, a violent crime wave, chaos at the border. It's not funny. Senator Ron Johnson is fighting to get inflation under control. Ron Johnson is fighting for law and order. Ron Johnson is fighting for freedom and for us. Pretty good ad. Inflation surged 8.5% in March, reaching a historic 40-year high. Economists expect consumer prices to rise by an additional 8.4% over the summer to come. The fastest since January of 82. Rising gas prices, inflation, and other Biden failures in economic policy promise to be central campaign issues as Americans head to the polls in the 2022 midterm elections. And it's not just Johnson. Any single solitary Republican candidate should take this moment and use this against the sitting president and all of the Democrats who supported gropey Joe Biden's inflationary monetary decisions, his economic debacle, and his joke of a presidency. Johnson told Fox News Digital when he announced his re-election in January that it was definitely his intention, his strong preference, to serve a second term and go home. However, he did not anticipate Democrats getting total control of government or governing from the very divisive and destructive manner that they are governing. And so, he is running for re-election. And I support him for doing so. We need candidates, representatives, senators with the intestinal fortitude, the cojones to govern with a fiscally conservative mindset and the thought of keeping traditional American values in place. This is the Truth Hurts program. And since we're talking about Joe Biden's economy, Joe Biden's inflation, Joe Biden's empty shelves... Joe Biden's supply chain problems, Joe Biden's border crisis. Let's talk about your wallet for just a moment. Quite a bit thinner, I would imagine. Liz Peek writes in The Hill, Joe Biden is making Americans poorer. Americans are getting poorer by the day and they can thank President Gropey Joe Biden. Too harsh? Not at all. Stock markets are crashing, costing Americans trillions of dollars of their retirement savings. Home prices will likely follow when they crash the building industry will stop. All of those workers will be laid off. There will be a massive recession to go along with Joe Biden's inflation. All of this is happening even though our country's economy remains essentially strong. So why the disconnect? Americans are worried about inflation and don't think the Biden administration can fix it without plunging our economy into a deep, dark, long-lived recession. With the gropey Joe Biden president still hawking more government spending, higher taxes on businesses, and increased regulations, all of which we all know will drive prices higher, 
Why the hell would he do such a thing? Almost from the moment he put his feeble fingers on the Holy Bible and swore to be your president, Americans knew that Gropey Joe Biden's policies were wrong for America. From the second quarter of Biden's presidency, consumer sentiment has trended sharply lower, even though jobs are plentiful, and some consumers still had pockets full of cash from all of Biden's so-called stimulus programs. A University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index stood at 88.3% in early 2021. It has now dropped to 59%, the lowest level since 1980 when data began to be collected. A reading for sure completely out of kilter with the so-called 3.6% unemployment. The Biden administration took a key page from the Obama playbook. When you force people out of the workforce and teach them that they can stay home and suck on the welfare tit, they simply don't figure into unemployment numbers anymore. If you're not out looking for a job, then you're not considered part of the unemployment. The economy shrank, shrank by an annualized rate of 1.4% in the first quarter of 2022. It shrank. My friends, we had steady, healthy, secure economic growth for the entire Trump presidency. Joe Biden gets into office and one year in, the economy shrinks by 1.4%. Not because consumers stopped spending, but because we had a huge jump in our trade imbalance. Imports surged 18%. Exports fell. In effect, the import increase and the drop in our GDP was yet another indication that U.S. consumers continue to spend money they don't have. There are still many who are flush with cash, but that is part of the problem. Consumers in America received generous payouts from the federal government when gropey Joe Biden continued to give out COVID bonuses long after the need for such windfalls were even necessary. That, of course, shrank the value of the U.S. dollar. After all, anyone can get a Xerox copier and start printing money, right? Joe Biden's administration prints money like it's going out of style, and there's no end in sight. Those COVID-related relief programs may have helped the economy early on in the COVID crisis while Donald Trump was still president, and perhaps even the first month or two while Gropey Joe had taken office, those stimulus programs were helping Americans. The GDP was growing at almost 6% when Biden took office. Job gains were surging under Trump. The Biden administration, however, could not leave well enough alone. And with Democrat-only votes, they passed debacle number one, the $1.9 trillion so-called American Rescue Plan. That bill poured gasoline on a roaring recovery that was already underway, naturally occurring. It pumped up consumer incomes and spending, and manufacturers and retailers were struggling to meet demand for all of those things that were shut down by the Democrats and their draconian COVID lockdowns. In addition to hyping spending, the American Rescue Plan allowed millions of people to stay home and collect relief checks. Relief checks, stimulus checks, which increased unemployment benefits. Told people you don't have to pay your rent, don't have to pay your mortgage. It expanded food stamps programs and other benefits, giving out money, making it rain, as they say in the hood. 
And as inflation heated up month after month after month, gropey Joe Biden and his Secretary of the Treasury, ancient Janet Yellen, in lockstep with Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, chirped optimistically, claiming that these inflationary price increases were temporary or transitory and nothing at all to worry about. And half of the nation, the stupider half that voted for Biden, believed those lies. Common sense consumers, however, knew better. They knew that the cost of everything, including gas and food and furniture and cars, was going up, up, up. They listened to the likes of former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, who predicted more federal spending will lead to higher inflation. They did not believe gropey Joe Biden, who continued to lie and promise that his so-called Build Back Better Broke program, which honest analysis suggested could cost $5 trillion, might bring inflation under control. Common sense people understood that that Joe Biden was a lie. Now the long dormant Federal Reserve is energized finally to address rising prices by aggressively raising interest rates. But we all know what that does to the housing market. When you raise the cost to borrow money, lower-end home buyers simply cannot afford or qualify to make a loan to buy a house. So they end up living in mommy and daddy's basement just a little bit longer, and that puts home builders, furniture companies, and the like in a negative posture, which means they have to lay off workers, which means more people get on unemployment which means the government spends more money on unemployment benefits, which raises inflation even further. The Fed dithered, and because they waited so long to act, a whole year and a quarter of the Biden administration, when they should have acted early on to curb inflation with modest, little teeny tiny increases to the interest rate to slow down the overheating economy, instead of doing that, they waited and now they have to put the pedal to the metal. They are sledgehammering interest increases rather than taking a more measured approach. Expectations of a recession are increasing. Even ancient Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, recently acknowledged that engineering a soft landing, you know, avoiding a recession, will take what she calls luck. Luck! Not exactly the reassurance that Americans and investors might be looking for. There are some signs that inflation might begin to slow, but price growth, according to all of the experts, will remain elevated for quite some time. We now have entered a wage price spiral driven by the acute labor shortage. You know, more people deciding, screw it, I'm not going to work anymore. I can live at a lower level of existence and suck off the government tit. Hell, a large minority of our population does so already. I might as well jump on the bandwagon, sip a cold 40-ounce malt liquor on my lawn chair, fry up some hot dogs or maybe some chicken wings, sit back and do like the other folks do, and suck from the government tit. Wages and benefits rose supposedly 4.5% in the first quarter compared to last year. With 11.3 million jobs available in the country, however, and fewer than 6 million people supposedly looking for work, there's now upward pressure on pay rates, and that is likely to continue. When you raise wages, 
You have to raise the prices of the goods and services you provide in order to support raising those wages. Who suffers? Of course, the people at the bottom of the wage scale. They have less expendable income. Gropy Joe Biden and his administration, in a thrall to his backers in organized labor, are encouraging unionization at companies like Starbucks and Amazon, which will most likely lead to higher pay, which will, of course, be passed along to consumers. The Biden White House is pursuing increased regulations and higher taxes on business and industry, which, if enacted, will further raise prices and elevate costs across the board. With any luck, progress will be minimal on those fronts, but the risk still remains. And there are unknown issues beyond the control of the White House. That war in the Ukraine, the lockdowns in China have exacerbated supply chain problems. But if gropey Joe Biden had continued the processes put in place by Donald Trump, we would be manufacturing more of the things we use and need right here in America instead of relying on China to send it all here. So here we are, stock prices plummeting. The S&P is off 13 percentage points this year alone. Tech stocks have lost a combined 21% on average. Higher interest rates will likely put a lid on home prices, which will impact the net worth of two thirds of the Americans who are currently homeowners. I fortunately sold a property last year and made a buttload of money in the process. Very happy that the inflated home prices of last year benefited me. But think about the poor person who decided to buy that house and pay an exorbitantly high price. Should they decide to sell that house this year, maybe to move up to a larger house or move to a different state, they are going to take a shellacking losing money on their sale. Many liberals believe only wealthy Americans own stocks, but it's not true. A recent Gallup poll shows that 56% of Americans claim to invest directly in stocks. And that does not reflect the millions of additional Americans who own shares of stock indirectly through pension, retirement plans, 401ks, etc. The White House has scoffed at the importance of stock price ups and downs. One spokesperson for the Biden administration says, unlike his predecessor, President Biden does not look at the stock market as a means by which to judge the economy. He turns a blind eye, that's why. He does not understand the economy that he has created. And he just simply goes and hides in his basement, remembering the good old days where he thinks he was Scrappy Joe. Biden will be surprised when it turns out that voters will most likely use the stock market plunge, the empty shelves, the higher interest rates, the massive inflation, the unemployment situation, amongst other things, to send a strong message to the Democrats in the midterms and send gropey Joe Biden packing in the 2024 presidential election. This is the Truth Hurts program. Let's change gears here for just a moment. Washington Examiner's Jeremiah Poff says a Pennsylvania school district apologizes for an after-school drag show. I'm not talking about a drag race between two cars in the parking lot. I'm talking about a drag queen type situation. Pennsylvania school district has apologized for a local high school's after-school drag show and has placed a staffer who was involved in organizing it on administrative leave. 
A drag show at Hempfield High School in Landisville, Pennsylvania took place last week, and it was organized by the school's Gay Sexuality Alliance Club and reportedly included highly sexualized dance routines, including exposed buttocks. In a statement, the district said on Friday, first and foremost, the administration team apologizes to students, parents, and the community on behalf of those involved in this event. We are appalled at what took place and in no way condone this type of activity in our schools. Neither the dress of the invited guests nor the performance was appropriate in our school setting. We are taking the incident seriously in our ongoing investigation and follow-up actions. It is important to district administrators that the district has the trust and confidence of the community, and we realize that an incident such as this completely undermines that trust. We commit to completing a thorough investigation and holding those involved accountable up to and including disciplinary action that this is commensurate with any findings. The show first drew attention after a local parent posted about it in a community Facebook group. The parent told a local outlet, the Lancaster Online, that her objections to the show were not because of its ties to gay and transgender ideology. The parent says, it wouldn't make a difference to me if it was a woman doing this. It's irrelevant that they're drag queens. It's the type of performance at the school. So queer guys dressed as girls showing their ass cheeks in a provocative sexualized dance in a school with impressionable young people is allowed? <laughs> Thank God this school district had enough intestinal fortitude to shut it down and now investigate it. The incident drew the attention of Republican State Senator Ryan Oma, who said he discussed the incident with the district superintendent and is also the sponsor of legislation that would notify parents of any sexually explicit material in public schools, both gay and straight. Listen, these kids are exposed to enough sex on the internet and even on television. We don't need to be indoctrinating them in the school systems. But that seems to be the will of the progressive woke liberal Democrats. And it's not just the sex things that they're talking about in schools that are alarming parents. The thought of critical race theory, which teaches all the white kids in school to feel like they should feel guilty because slavery, which ended well over 140 years ago, somehow ties today's white youth to being systemically racist from birth. CRT, critical race theory, or as I call it, critical racist theory, originated in the family of critical studies and seeks to promote what its adherents believe is a pervasive and inescapable racist legacy in the U.S. legal system. The so-called theory has been packaged to children in K-12 schools, teaching them that America is fundamentally a racist country. An Illinois high school teacher, Frank McCormick, says he's decided to blow the whistle on what was being taught at his school because parents are being gaslit into this lie that CRT does not exist in K-12 education. He says it's not explicitly taught, but it's used as a lens through which curriculum and lessons are filtered based on presuppositions that racism is systemic in America. Critics of critical racist theory 
say that when the theory's concepts are applied to curriculum for K-12 schools, it's a disaster. Eric Smith is an associate professor of rhetoric at York College of Pennsylvania. Yes, there's such a thing. Associate professor of rhetoric. He said in an opinion editorial that while third graders aren't reading legal theory from the 80s, written by people in their 80s, their teachers likely read the literature, and when trying to put this theory into practice, things go horribly wrong. Smith argues there should be a bipartisan push against CRT because it's adamantly opposed to the foundation of liberty. You know, free speech, equality, individuality, the concept of merit. You can imagine what kind of education would ensue if teachers implicitly and explicitly demonize concepts of freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, freedom of the press. Paul Rossi is a school teacher from New York City, and he said in Barry Weiss's Common Sense Substack that his students are frustrated with the indoctrination peddled through Grace Church High School. He says, quote, My school is asking me to embrace anti-racism training and pedagogy that I believe is deeply harmful for any teacher who seeks to nurture the virtues of curiosity, empathy, understanding. Students report that in their classrooms and other discussions, they must never challenge any of the premises of our anti-racist teachings which are deeply informed by critical racist theory. He additionally claims the school is keeping a lookout for students who are not acclimating to the propaganda culture. Tony Kinnett is a former Indiana school administrator who was placed on leave after exposing critical racist theory curricula at his school in a video he posted on Twitter. He said parents are being overtly lied to about CRT. He says, quote, Parents, when we tell you critical race theory isn't taught in our schools, we're lying. Keep looking. It means one thing. Go away and look into our affairs no further. Unquote. Some left-wing K-12 teachers openly admit that they approve and seek to transmit critical racist theory concepts to their students. A current assistant principal at Castle Bridge School in Washington Heights, New York, named David Rojas, said on Chalkbeat, the controversial topic is, quote, not something I will shy away from. Critical race theory is interwoven in all that I do. I need space to be a teacher who is racially literate and racially radical, unquote. Detroit Superintendent Nikolai Vitti publicly admitted during a school board meeting that CRT was embedded within the school's curriculum. He said, quote, our curriculum is deeply using critical racist theory, especially in social studies, but you'll find it in English, language arts, and the other disciplines. We're very intentional about creating a curriculum, infusing materials, and embedding critical race theory within our curriculum, unquote. Despite the facts, the denial of CRT in K-12 has reached some of the highest levels in American politics. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten has claimed the fascination with CRT is merely a tool of the right to win a culture war, a viewpoint also shared by the National School Boards Association. When they were asked how they would respond to the claim that CRT is only taught in law schools, Kennett said, this is an incredibly ignorant way of viewing what graduate level theories are for. Kennett explained that during the course in his master's studies, he was taught CRT and how to directly apply it into lesson plans in kindergarten through 12th grade classrooms. He says, quote, we learned all kinds of educational theories that we were expected to put to use in the classroom, unquote. My friends, 
They are indoctrinating your white children, making them feel guilty for being white, telling them they should step aside when a black person walks towards them on a sidewalk and make way for the minority. They're telling your kids that because they are white, they are automatically racist and guilty and that their white parents are automatically racist and guilty and should apologize and give reparations to the black folks. It is disgusting at best and likely illegal at worst. During diversity training, teachers at Cherokee Middle School, a middle school in Springfield, Missouri, were provided a handout and instructed to locate themselves on the oppression matrix. The training denounced socially unacceptable white supremacy, which included education funding from property tax, colorblindness, and calling the police on black people, or calling black, indigenous, and people of color BIPOC as Halloween costumes, not believing experiences in BIPOC, tone policing, and white silence. The left-wing media works overtime to flatly deny the prevalence of CRT in the U.S. education system and works diligently to silence debate on the matter. Time flies when we're having fun, and that's going to wrap up this edition of the Truth Hurts program. We'll see you next time. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Don't drink and drive. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing.